Welcome to Rethinking Neurodiversity, a podcast looking at the history, triumphs and challenges of divergent thinking. We're your hosts, Fran and Eileen, and together we'll be talking to neurodivergent advocates, experts and those with lived experience to rethink the narrative around neurodiversity. This podcast is brought to you by Noetic Health, the intelligent neurodiversity app for adult ADHD, autism, dyslexia and dyspraxia. In this episode, we're speaking to Yomi Olasunle about her experience navigating the ADHD journey as an adult. We'll talk about self-compassion, adapting your lifestyle to make it work best for you, and about the importance of community. Thanks so much for joining us, Yomi. Uh, We're really excited to have you on this debut episode. Uh, We'd love if you could maybe give us a short intro about who you are and what you do, and then we could go into your journey um, of getting diagnosed as an adult ADHD. Not that that defines you. Yeah, so my name is Yomi, and I like to describe myself as multifaceted, multi-passionate, because I do loads of stuff. So I work in marketing and recruitment at the University of Leicester. But then I also am a global shaper at the World Economic Forum. I'm a writer. I really love writing. I write about mental health, neurodiversity, love, gender equity, relationships, and all the good stuff. I'm a public speaker about the same topics. a board member at Terence Higgins Trust and Noetic actually, um, which is great. I also am a UN women's delegate on the commission of on this of the status of women and I'm a youth ambassador at one. So I kind of have like loads of stuff going on. Um yeah, so that's a bit about me. And I just got interested in neurodiversity. Actually I was I forgot to add this. I have a master's in psychology, so I'm an accredited psychologist. So I was already kind of like knowledgeable a bit about neurodiversity, but like my attention really came to it when I was diagnosed with ADHD. ADHD. Yeah. <laughs> ADHD. Yeah, Yomi, we like we really enjoy working with you and your stuff that you do outside of Nomatic is so beautifully written and things. So it's always um lovely seeing what you produce. We're big fans. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. That's really nice to hear. And it's so cool that you have so much stuff going on. How do you how do you juggle all those things? Um I've had this question quite a few times this week, and I don't think I even realized I had that much going on. I think I, I, I try to be whoever I need to be in whatever in whatever position. So when I'm doing like my nine to five, I'm fully present and I'm a marketing and communications professional. And then when I switch wherever whatever I'm doing, I just try to be fully present in that. I try to manage my time well, which is a bit, that's a bit more complex with ADHD. Um, I try to focus on priorities and I love everything I do actually. So it makes it like easier because I feel like most of the things I do, even if I wasn't getting paid, I would do them. So that kind of makes it easier and smoother for me to do because 
it's just the thing about when you really like something, you're able to give more to it and than like, you know, just doing stuff for doing sake. Yeah, that's such a good reference point, sort of thinking, would I do this if I wasn't getting paid for it? Not that we believe in unpaid work, but if um but it's always a good metric to see if you enjoy something or something's worth yeah. it. And and also when you have lots of lots of different things going on, it's also good to kind of see how each of them make you feel and how much, I guess, headspace each of them take. And so maybe it becomes when you've got various different spinning plates, it's maybe a bit easier to let go of one of them if one of them isn't so isn't working for you so much. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like all of them feed into making me a better person in another way. So all of them are like intertwined. For example, being on being a writer helps me like with emails because you know I am better with con convincing people and communicating with people. So even though I don't necessarily like focus on writing emails, um, or I'm not like an email writer, <laughs> but it's kind of like the skill of writing, the craft of writing, the craft of like um putting your thoughts together and sending like good messages that can cause change that can spark conversations and all of that is very good so I feel like all of them in some way they build me into a better person and they give me the energy to do more mm -hmm. that's so interesting and there's also chat GPT for sometimes if you need some help with email writing yeah. Yeah, and I think also the also the um, outcomes. So it's like when, so because I, I do a lot like with um, I would say public health, you know, people, and improving the lives of people. It's just like you know, getting the messages from people, seeing how your work has impacted policies, seeing how you're able to facilitate partnerships, seeing that you know by committing two extra hours every month, four extra hours every month. People's lives are changing. People's lives, people are having increased lifespans. People are having a better quality of life. You know, minority ethnic communities are in a better position to have better outcomes, you know. So it's quite fulfilling in that way too. I love that. I love that so much of what you do is driven by like the purpose. In the yeah, the purpose behind it. And that's yeah. really great. So shall we shall we talk a little bit about your ADHD journey? What made you think that you might have ADHD or when did you first start thinking about that? Because I only got my diagnosis when I was 25. So yeah, quite late. Um, what made me start thinking about it? Actually, I was um so I've been a mental health advocate for a while for you know, almost a, a decade. So I'm very conscious around about mental health. I've done loads of work in the mental health sector. And then I lived in Nigeria and someone said, oh, there's an autism training. And I was kind of like, mm, what's autism? Because I'm very interested in health and how we can improve the lives of people. I, I kind of attended the autism training. I learned a bit more about autism, got my certification to... You know, and I just left it there. Then I moved countries and, you know, I feel like I, I moved for my master's degree and I studied psychology in my master's. So I was hearing a bit more about neurodiversity 
And then I had to work on papers, you know, when I was studying um, cognitive psychology. I had to write a few papers around um, neurodiversity and I focused on um, ADHD in women. So writing papers like the lost girls of ADHD and stuff. And in the process of writing those papers, I started being like, mm, I'm seeing bits and bobs of myself in this, but I didn't really like pay much attention to it. Um, I just felt like everybody just randomly they dream. Like I just felt like everybody would just get distracted and they dream like in the middle of an activity. I just felt like it was, I mean, I know like, you know, poor time management isn't great, but I just felt like everybody was like that. Like, you know, everybody's kind of late sometimes. I felt like, you know, so I get in pretty emotionally dysregulated sometimes. And I just felt like all of these things, you know, sensory overloads, everybody experienced them. I didn't know that, you know, they were peculiar to ADHD. I had an idea, but it just felt normal because, you know, like when you've lived in a particular way all your life, you kind of feel like that's what it is. And then, you know, coming from Nigeria, I kind of worked multiple jobs. So I'll kind of feel bored and then quit this job. I had like multiple interests. I was always doing multiple things. And I like people always say, how do you do all these things? But I just felt like that's what it should be. And thankfully, like, um, with the employers I worked with, I always had like the luxury of having the space to kind of do my own creative thinking and they were very outcome focused. So yeah. Then during my master's, my classmates would say things to me like, do you know it's not normal for you to sit down and like not write your paper for the two months and then six hours to submission, you're able to like pull an all-nighter and, you know, hyper-focus on it and actually get a good paper out. And I'm like, no, that's just how I've always been. So maybe because we were studying psychology and some of my classmates already had, like, that background, they would say things like that, like, how can you just hyper-focus on this? And I'm like, it's a gift. Or, you know, I just didn't see it in that light. But then I had, like, you know, a few struggles here and there, like, with sensory overloads, with noise and then I went on to the workplace and then when I started working I worked in an open plan office I was making loads of mistakes like literally when people are talking I will be typing in what they are saying and I used to ask everybody do you have this experience and everybody's like no and then I started getting like very anxious very depressed I was constantly making mistakes I was constantly late you know like so while I was creative, because for me, I like a, a more strength-based approach rather than, you know, like a challenge-focused approach. So while I was creative, brilliant, able to deliver on my tasks, I was struggling more than I've ever struggled before. So I kind of was like, I'm going to see a therapist because I think it's my mental health. So I saw the therapist and I've probably done that in this conversation, segued to all of this different parts so I saw the therapist and in the middle of like the conversation I had segued quite a few times and he's like mm, have you ever heard about neurodiversity and I'm like no and he was like yeah I think you need to check out neurodiversity so I'm going to send you a few links 
you know, you know, like those online tests. So I took them and a lot of them like were pointing in the direction of ADHD. But I already had like my suspicions stemming from my master's and being around quite a few people with ADHD. So I'm like, okay, let me look into this. So I told my employer at the time and they paid for a private diagnosis. And yeah, I was just kind of like, oh, wow. So it came back and then apparently I had ADHD. And yeah, that was like the journey, a rough summary of the journey to like getting my diagnosis. Oh, wow. So it was actually your your employer actually um, supported you. And um, was that in the UK, did you say? Yeah, in the UK. Because it's so, um, it's not that often that employers actually are known for uh, supporting employees and getting private diagnoses. So that's really great. Um, did you did you ask them or did they sort of offer to you? I'm guessing you must have has to, you must have had to kind of disclose that to them. Yes. Yeah, so um, I, I had a workplace needs assessment done, and um, from the work from the workplace needs assessment I had done, they then recommended that you know I get like a proper diagnosis because you know they could not like so they recommended stuff like you know noise cancelling earphones and stuff but they're like you know there might be something bigger here and we don't want to be reductive in just making it about this so it's better to have like the holistic picture to see how the organization can support you better so yeah they then said okay we're going to pay for your um, diagnosis yeah it actually wasn't awfully complicated with my employer at the time. It seems like you've had quite a long journey in kind of coming to the realisation that you have ADHD and getting that late diagnosis but then the actual process of getting a diagnosis that actually is a lot more positive than a lot of what we hear um, for so many people but Mm. I feel like your experiences are really echoed among so many of the the community and like going to work everything being like fine well I say fine but hurt like coping through your whole life and not really identifying it's a massive problem until other people say like oh that's actually not what I experience and like we're well, saying things like that's not normal yeah and actually yeah. it's really it's really normal well for neurodivergence or for people with ADHD to cram at the last minute and having ADHD is pretty normal nowadays ironically and so yeah. um I guess it's the the feeling of like the feeling of being othered is what makes you start to think, oh, maybe this is something that requires further investigation or maybe I should look into this. Because if we lived in a world where we were perfectly embraced for who we are and if you're the kind of person who doesn't do an assignment until six hours before the submission, but you do it really well, then I guess who cares really? Yeah, yeah actually, because... So I still struggle sometimes, but I'm also like very, um, very kind to compassionate towards myself in the fact that I'm still learning a lot about ADHD and like how it plays out in my life. Because I think sometimes I'm just like, we're all different. People are people. So sometimes it's just such a burden when you're expected to fit into this box and you know, when you come a bit out of the box, then people decide to like mark you or make you feel like you have this thing 
you're carrying. Meanwhile, there are so many strengths that come with that that will be better to focus on in place of just focusing on, because I think that's something I struggle with, like, you know, a lot of conversations around neurodiversity, specifically ADHD in my case, are just like the negatives, the negatives, you're hyperactive, you're inattentive, you can't commit to doing stuff, you can't do this, you can't do that. But actually, people with ADHD like me, I'm very hypersensitive, and you can see it in all of the social courses that I'm committed to, and all of the work I'm doing to um, empower people. So we do need that empathy in the world that we live in because everybody can't be stoic. We need people that are more socially conscious than others. You know, it's like, you know, people can say inattentiveness, but inattentiveness can also push a lot of creativity because when you're thinking about stuff, you know, you come up with like very creative and unique ideas that people don't necessarily come up with. Hyperfocus in itself isn't bad. You just need to understand when you're hyperfocused and know how to take care of yourself within the hyperfocus. But, you know, hyperfocus also like allows you to get things done. It allows you to create better. It allows you to have like to pay great attention to detail and, you know, have that out of the box thinking that helps you see things that people wouldn't see. It gives you a good skill for pattern recognition and all of that stuff. And so like for me, when I look at it through that lens, I'm like, you know what? I even feel special because I feel like these are special gifts that not everybody has. So people with neurodivergence are so special and so cool and so rad. And it's quite interesting to see how everybody's brain works. Yeah, I love that. We completely agree about the, it's such a shame that there's such like a deficit-based approach generally. And I feel like the neurodiversity movement in itself is really working on trying to change that and bring out those strengths. Um, And there's like more and more research these days as well, looking into the strengths of neurodivergent people and looking at hyper-focus, creativity, everything like all those strengths that you mentioned that are so important in our like everyday lives and in many people's career paths. Um, And I guess that's where a diagnosis can be really beneficial because this can help you identify these strengths, but also the self-compassion you mentioned is so important. And I think a lot of people feel the kind of, regret and kind of mourn some of their past and feel like they should have got that diagnosis sooner and like this explains a lot of the difficulties they were having um but yeah that's where the self-compassion comes in that you mentioned that's super important in helping people focus on their strengths and seek support I guess for any difficulties that they are having. Did you find that um a diagnosis was helpful for or an enabler for self-compassion um because i Definitely said it. Think it did, but it probably took me about six to nine months after I got diagnosed to fully process it and then start to um, really have more compassion for myself. But it was, it was definitely a very transformative experience. But um, wondering what it was like for you and the kind of process just after the diagnosis. Yeah. So um, I'm very glad that I've been in the sector before I got. Um, diagnosed. So I'm very glad that I had done things around mental health and I had quite good understanding of 
neurodiversity from my research. But it's also very different being from the outside in and then from the inside out. So actually, when I got my diagnosis, there was no self-compassion. There was a lot of like self-criticality. There was a lot of shame. There was a lot of self-stigma and embarrassment. So I carried it like a secret and a heavy burden. So I feel like the me of like eight months ago would be so shocked that I'm sitting on a podcast actually talking about this today because there was just so much, you know, that self-shame. I just felt embarrassed all the time. I felt like people could, people would look at me and see that I had ADHD and I was flawed and there was something wrong with me. I was very worried about how it would impact my career, how it impact my life, how it impact my friendships, my family, my relationships. It just, it just felt like such a heavy weight for me and I didn't quite know how to drop or navigate it. But I found that as time went by, the more I did like my research and the more like I started learning about how to like practice self-care, and like, you know, going to therapy also helped me like come to terms because I remember like my therapist, bless her, looked at me and said to me, this is part of you. Like you can't run away from it. So you have to hone it and you have to learn to work with it. Because I also felt a lot of pain and I still feel it because I've seen myself in rare moments where I'm working optimally. And I'm just like, I wish I could be like this all of the time with without all this stuff. So I feel like I missed out on so many opportunities. I wish I had the follow through to finish up on things, on projects I started and kind of like dumped along the way. I wish that, you know, I was, you know, I feel like even in like my interpersonal relationships, sometimes like seeing how my emotional dysregulation could have like impacted certain things, you know, just coming up with like that guilt. I had a lot of guilt and stuff but I'm also a very spiritual person I'm very religious I'm a Christian maybe not religious but spiritual so also my practice of faith also helped me in coming to terms with it in being compassionate in understanding that I'm here for a reason God created me for a reason and you know there's actually something from my story and from my experience that the world needs to hear so kind of just going through that, also it also helped me think critically about my life, the choices I was making, the career path I wanted to go into. So I realized that I probably couldn't be in a career path that required me at a desk 247, because that's horrible, you know, for someone with ADHD, like, you know, with my symptoms. So I needed something that you know, sometimes you're sitting, sometimes you're standing, sometimes you're on site, sometimes you're doing things. So working in the higher education sector in marketing actually is very good and compatible with how my brain works. And all of that stuff is just like learning how to integrate my life and make my life work as optimally for me. That's where the self-compassion comes from. And remembering that I'm human, so even if I were neurotypical, I still wouldn't be perfect. And we can be quite um, harsh self-critics, can't we? Yeah, yeah. That's well, Thanks for sharing, Yomi. That 
to to me is surprising because we've only known you for a few months and to hear that eight months ago like in such a short period of time this is who you've become like that's amazing um yeah thanks for sharing I do think your story will help people listening to the podcast hopefully yeah I hope so I hope so um especially people from you know I think as but for me people from minority ethnic communities especially from you know like my community which is the black community because sometimes we don't want to speak about these things and for me when you speak about it is so I'm not like a doom and gloom person as you can tell I'm quite I'm quite an optimistic chap and so it's not all about yeah I have this and you know my life will never go on but it's about yeah I have ADHD or you know I have this neurodivergent condition so how do I work with it to live the best life for me not for another person because sometimes you know we get stuck in this whole thing of comparing ourselves to others and that whole rabbit hole so it's like how do I optimize and self-actualize for myself how do I you know work best to meet my goals do I need to work a remote job do I need to like how do I need to change my life to self-actualize to the best version of myself not the version of myself that people think I should have it's also thinking about what you want versus what you think people want you to be doing and being able to just be confident in that yes so I really hope like um, by sharing my story people have like the conversations they're able to like understand that it's not a death sentence and you know their support so they're like organizations like noetic and what you guys are doing to support i also feel like you know if you need to go on medication then go on medication there's no shame in going on medication medication actually improves like the quality of your life you know if you need to see an adhd coach or an autism coach or a speech um specialist or a language specialist or you need like reasonable adjustments don't be scared or don't be afraid to like kind of go for those things because they'll really help, you know, give you a better standard of living. That's so true. There are so much there are so many great um support avenues and services out there. And just finding out about them can take such a long time because um essentially after you get diagnosed, the, aside from medication, there's not much that you kind of get signposted to and you're just kind of left to discover it for yourself if you if you manage to come across them. But there's so many great coaches and therapists who are um, neurodivergence aware, um, relationship therapists who um, know about ADHD or autism, um, or at least specialised in it and specialise in working with couples that are neurodiverse. Can you, do you know of any... Um, any resources or platforms specifically for black women who are also ADHD? Um, the one that I can think of off the top of my head is I think ADHD Babes. Yeah, I know of um, ADHD Babes and it's really good. I think Mind also has one. So Mind, the mental health charity. But I'm sorry if this sounds a bit controversial, but um, I don't really like to center ADHD in my life. Um, I just, I always come from the perspective that I'm a very well-rounded person and ADHD is a part of my life, but it doesn't make the entirety of me. 
but also community support groups are great because I attended a few sessions with ADHD babes and the one mind has, and I found them quite nice because people, you, you know, you see like-minded people, you learn from them. So I learned about body doubling, for example, and that was really nice. So you learn, you share experiences and that community is great because sometimes ADHD can wreck you in a way that's nothing else wrecks you like just that shame you know you get so emotional when you're missing deadlines or when you're you just don't feel like you're functioning how you should be functioning it can really like make you so emotional and you it's nice to have like that community but so for me it's just a weird balancing act because the community is important but I also try not to center it as to exist in the world as I will exist as if I didn't have ADHD. That's so right, actually. I also don't want to um, define myself as ADHD, but it's more just that's one part of who you are and it makes it, and it, it frames why you do certain things or think in a certain way or, um, or some of the things that you don't do um, or some of the things that I might not do. So... Yeah, it's just about better better self-understanding, but also better understanding so that you can communicate that to, to other people as well so that they can better communicate, better understand and have more compassion because it's it requires not just self-compassion, self-understanding, but also a supportive environment and people around you yeah. to understanding and supportive as well. Um, yeah. Because otherwise it just compounds that. It requires that level of support and compassion to and and shed away those layers of shame definitely very very important so firstly yomi thank you so much for all of that that way you spoke so beautifully and eloquently and um it's so interesting to yeah hear your story because we've known you for a little bit now but um didn't realize some of the stuff that you said so so thank you um just to round off, what's the one piece of advice you would give to someone who think that they might be neurodivergent um, or think they might have ADHD or that they've just discovered that they are, whether they're diagnosed yet or not, or whether they've self-identified? Um, and what's the best thing about being neurodivergent? But we'll start with the first one. So what's the one piece of advice? Um, I think my one piece of advice will be um, accept yourself, accept your life. Um, don't run away from it. Don't gaslight. But I've said like 20 pieces of advice. I asked for one. But I would say accept yourself. Don't gaslight yourself. You know, there's loads of support. There's loads of awareness. So make sure you're getting information from credible sources. If you need to go on medication to help you thrive, go on medication, find support groups, find the communities. If there's none, start one. But don't feel ashamed of yourself and don't self-stigmatize yourself. It's easier said than done, but, you know, you can thrive with ADHD and you can be happy with as a neurodiverse person. And, yeah. That's a great, great advice for everyone, I think. But, yeah, especially um, if you think you might have ADHD, if you're newly diagnosed. That's great. Thanks, Yomi. Yeah. And definitely finding the community as well, because... I know how isolating or lonely the journey can be when you 
haven't got the people around you who really understand or are just you know under resourced when it comes to understanding or just haven't um learn about what it's like yet or maybe they're in a certain point in their life or their own journey where they can't fully connect with who you are um and so it's so important to meet those people who whether it's online or or in person or just kind of have those shared experiences with people who have been through a similar thing or a similar stage to you um be that kind of early on before pre like kind of before you're diagnosed or even if you've just been diagnosed kind of just connecting with people who are on this uh, similar processing journey yeah absolutely absolutely because it, it helps so much to like remove like the layers of stigma and um shame and doubt because you kind of now have the community i can identify like people and yeah you can just share like the messiness of that's going on in your brain and cluttering your mind with others so that's always refreshing you, you learn to give yourself more grace and i find that another beautiful thing that comes out from community is also like the sharing of resources that you might not ideally know about so like my workplace has an employee resource group and randomly I was talking to for neurodiversity I was talking to a colleague and she was telling me all of the support I could actually get as a, a neurodiverse person and like you know it's not even a no it's not a, it's a no-brainer like the company is going to give that to you and I just didn't know I was talking to someone else who has ADHD and he was, you know, telling me about access to work and all of this, like, governmental support people with ADHD get. And I'm like, oh, wow. So sometimes, like, even when you don't have the capacity to access certain resources or have, like, some information, being in community with people can really give you that. It also makes you feel a bit less alone. And community isn't just for people who have lived experience. It's also for allies because... To really thrive with like neurodivergence, allyship is very important. Having people in your corner who understand. So true. Allyship is super important because it shouldn't be on the neurodivergent community yeah. to, um, to change things. And how can you create like a nice environment for everyone unless mm. you understand everyone's needs and have that compassion? So, yeah, a great point. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been so nice talking to you. Do you have anything you want to plug or any anything you want to give a shout out to? Um, I guess you could follow me on LinkedIn because I share a bit more information and resources there. My LinkedIn is Yomi Olusunle. And then you can sign up to my newsletter where it's loads of personal essays, but I also give like, you know, very practical hands-on tips and stories around mental health and neurodivergence so yeah just check out my work check out what i'm doing and yeah if you connect with this just send me a message i guess and thank you so much for having me i hope you found this helpful we hope you enjoyed this episode of rethinking neurodiversity we're always open to your thoughts and feedback, so please feel free to email hello at noetic.health or get in touch through our social media. Please follow, rate, like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. 
See you next time. <laughs>